UFC 258 is bagged, tagged, and ready for the table. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. Let's bust this sucker open and figure out what made it tick. UFC 258, a.k.a. UFC COVID-39, saw 10 fights with 6 UDs, 2 subs, and a TKO on a 6-hour broadcast with 2 hours, 6 minutes, and 2 seconds of cage time. Kamaru Usman's third-round TKO of Gilbert Burns marks the first welterweight loss of Dorino's career. Champion Usman now has the longest welterweight winning streak of all time with 13. That's tied for the second longest in UFC history. He's never been knocked down or taken down and has outlanded every single UFC opponent, earning him our final boss award because if you beat him, what's left to do? 13 fights into both of their UFC runs. Usman has more takedowns, more knockdowns, and more significant strikes than GSP did. St. Pierre was 2-2 two and two in title fights while Usman is a perfect 4-0. He'll need seven defenses to eclipse GSP's title reign. A tale of two trajectories. Alexa Grasso has now won two straight at flyweight while Macy Barber has dropped same. Calvin Gastelum broke a three-fight skid, the longest of his career, and did so with a personal best six takedowns. Speaking of, another winner tonight, Ricky Simone, has scored 26 in his last four fights. Julian Marquez became the first UFC fighter to call out Miley Cyrus. Final notable, Anthony Hernandez is the first to ever submit an ADCC gold winner in the UFC. The odds were plus 2,200, earning him our plot twist award because who saw that coming? But the stats can only tell us so much. Let's dive deeper. All right, what is up, guys? Welcome to the MMA on Point live autopsy so obviously we just had a pay-per-view happen last night ufc 258 really important fight for the welterweight division a lot of implications for the future and what is about to happen and now we've got kamar usman bringing himself into all these discussions about the greatest welterweights of all time he's now put himself at least in that conversation people have him in various uh places on that spectrum but real quick you guys should know me i'm jason i am the co-owner of the channel i'm joined today by my co-host pizzy carroll you know him from our live chats on wednesday how you doing today my dude i'm very good i have drank uh, about two jugs of coffee and so i'm ready to go here um a lot of a lot of action to dissect and some big storylines coming out of last night which i'm sure we're going to get stuck into now yeah, absolutely. And then um, lastly, we do have someone else helping us out today. Lawton is back. As always. What's oh, up, everybody? Yes. How are we doing? We <laughs> saw most of you not that many hours ago. So. <laughs> no, glad to be back, man. It's gonna good start to the day. Yeah, here at MMA on Point, we don't really like sleep that much. You look better, PT, always. <laughs> yeah, we, we just uh, we gave up on sleep years ago. Yeah, it's not a thing anymore. Um, but anyhow, so pull up the points of the night. So yes. this is what we'll go over. Just kind of a brief overview. Oh, we didn't link that up. <laughs> we downloaded it, but we didn't link it up. So there we go. Um, this is what happens when you get three hours of sleep. So, oh, no, yeah. don't use those shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. It shows up on screen. Um, yeah, just don't worry about it. So we'll just move on yeah, to the yeah. first point. All right, so the first question is, who is next for Usman? Sound off about this one, chat. So um, what are your thoughts on this one? I'll, I'll throw to you first here. What do you think about this one, PT? Who is next for Usman? Who should he fight? I mean, I feel like it's all trending towards Masvidal. Um, I felt it was a bit dodgy earlier in the week when we heard that Dana White was looking at Colby Covington for Leon Edwards. I mean, this is the fight. That's the kind of fight that Leon's been looking for for nearly two years. Yeah. And suddenly, on the third time, the Hamza falls out. We're now looking at uh, Colby Covington. It felt like, to me, he was trying to uh, dangle that carrot to make Masvidal 
um, sign a deal with Colby. But now that Masvidal, I mean, now that Usman is talking about Masvidal the way he is, the way Dana White's saying, if, if that's what Usman wants, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's the biggest fight in terms of monetary gain that Usman can have. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if they go with that. But I do feel like Masvidal v. Colby is a fight that a lot of people really, really want to see. So um, it's going to be a tough one for the UFC to decide on. But if Dana's saying Usman's going to have like make the call himself, they probably will go with Masvidal again. Hmm. Yeah, I tend to kind of agree on this one. I mean, he basically called him out and then said he wasn't calling him out afterwards. It's like, nah, you're kind of calling him out. And we'll get to that in the before and after here in a little bit to get his exact quote on it. But yeah, it does seem like that's the fight he wants. He seems uh, like he's really just kind of upset that Masvidal has had that built-in excuse. I don't really like that fight myself personally. I would like to see somebody like Leon. I would like to see somebody like you know, Wonder Boy. Um, I would like to see somebody like Cole or Colby again, because Colby is coming off of obviously one fight. I I think best case scenario, we would see the Colby versus Leon fight or Colby versus Masvidal. There would be one more fight in between them. But if Usman's ready to go, then might as well go for one of them. The Masvidal fight, though, just coming right off of losing to him, and especially it not being particularly close or exciting, it just doesn't really make any sense to me. Maybe it will make them money. I don't know how that looks watching the first fight. I don't know how many people are like, yeah, I want to sign up to see that again, especially from the casual side, because they probably hated that more than anybody else because they're not hardcore fans. They're not all about the ground game like we are. So, um, yeah, I think I tend to go with Masvidal. Uh, yeah, what do you what do you think, Lon? You, you want to put in a take there? <laughs> I'll get the next one. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's I think it's fishy, Jay, that they're talking about Colby and Leon. Like Colby's never wanted that fight, and now he's going to take it on short notice. All of a sudden, that just mm. doesn't sit well with me. That whole situation. I just feel as though it's the pressure Masvidal into signing a deal with Colby. Um, you know, I, I just can't imagine Colby jumping up and down to try and fight Leon in March, especially. Mm. You know, it just it doesn't make sense to me. I'd love to see Leon v. Nate Diaz. I think that's a perfect fight because it puts a spotlight on Leon as well. But I'm sure Nate is after big names and stuff like that. He's never the easiest man to negotiate with. But um, we'll have to wait and see. Oh, man. I'm so not on the same page there. I just don't think Nate no. Diaz belongs in that discussion at all. I know he's a big name and I know it's good you know, for to see some of these athletes that haven't had as much shine get some of that. But I also think, you know, over time, even the the least popular champions end up getting a ton of shine, you know. Probably Mighty Mouse might be the one who had it the worst in terms of being a champion for such a long time, didn't get the shine he was due. But Anderson Silva famously struggled for a long time, and then finally, just after enough wins, it started to take hold, and enough, you know, nemesis. Nemeses? Is that is that the way you would say nemesis in plural form? <laughs> nemesis. Nemeses? Nemesis? <laughs> I feel like uh, after, you know, the Chels, the Vitor, that was huge in Brazil. I mean, there was like, what, 60 million people that watched that live. It's just nuts, you know. That's like a quarter of the country. Um, yeah, so uh, I think eventually it comes along. You don't necessarily need to insert somebody like Nate Diaz. You know, it's good for well, the athletes to have that, that shine, but I don't like it. They were trying to give Leon Hamza a guy who's only beat, right. you know, two guys in the division, so... Like, I, I feel like the reason why that was a good fight for Leon is because it would put a spotlight on him because Hamza has so much hype. Nate Diaz always brings that same uh, spotlight, even bigger than mm -hmm. most of the guys at 170. 
I, I know what you're saying in terms of meritocracy and stuff, but yeah. it still does the job that Hamza was meant to, as in getting a big spotlight on Leon and making get giving him a statement win if he manages to pull it off. And on the flip side of that, Nate Diaz wants to interject himself into this conversation for the title at 170. Mm-hmm. And by beating Leon Edwards, he, he does that. Does he deserve it? Probably not. But does it make sense for Leon? Does it make sense for Nate? Maybe. Controversial take of the day. Um, maybe not that controversial at all. I just feel like because I'm saying about someone popular. Hamzat Shemaev wipes the floor with Diaz. So that might be a... Uh, I don't know if that's a controversial take. I but that's why the Usman good. fight... Or not Usman, but Leon Edwards versus Hamzat would be much more interesting. Because there's this real, like... I don't know. Just well-rounded game. Smothering pressure on the ground. Knockout power. I just don't think it's nearly as interesting. Because I don't know if Nate Diaz has anything for somebody like Leon Edwards. You know? Mm. No, yeah. I, I, I think Leon will win that fight. But in terms of Hamzat... I think they need to wrap him in cotton wool now. Forget about this fight and top contender stuff. Mm. Like, this guy's health has been seriously jeopardized. Yeah. He's taken yeah. a massive already by going from the guys he has been taking on to a Leon Edwards. I think that they need to be very careful about who they match him with when he is fully fit. Like, it's not very good news coming out of his camp. I don't know if you saw the front kick video. I think we did because I saw the social going out on MMA on point. Like, he thought he was going to die. That's yeah. a serious yeah. issue. And they need to be very careful with this guy because he's worth his weight in gold at the moment. But they sacrifice everything if they put him in against a top contender um, when he isn't 100%. And um, I, I think it's very, very tentative work the UFC have to do with Hamzat now. Mm. Well, I guess to sum it up, I would probably lean Leon Edwards over Colby just because Colby's on a one-fight win streak. Um, I don't think the Woodley win is necessarily that impressive at this stage considering how Woodley's looked as opposed to Leon's streak, and he's been waiting for a long time. Um, and in some ways, I wish they would fight each other, but I think I would lean Leon, then maybe Colby, because you could just, instead of having them fight each other, you could just do one after the other, and then we'll see where Masvidal shakes by then. But anyhow, let's move it on to the next topic. So we got, where does Usman rank? So among the greatest welterweights of all time, where do you start interjecting this man so he's got three defenses right now woodley also had three title defenses george st pierre had what nine title defenses in his consecutive run um actually i don't think he defended at all when he fought matt sarah so nine for him uh see uh matt hughes had five so where where are we starting to look at him now what do you think about that one i think he's the best uh welterweight of this generation Mm. when you look at the top 10 there he's taken out one to four He's taken out six of the top ten. I don't think you can argue with that. Um, even the fights that we're talking about here, Colby, Leon, Masvidal, he's already beaten these guys. Um, he's out on his own in terms of being the best guy of this generation. He's the best welterweight champion since GSP. I do not think he is um, a better champion than GSP yet. Um, I think GSP is the greatest fighter in the history of the sport, so it's a very difficult thing to, uh, to better him. But um, look, he, he's certainly the closest to doing it now. And the closest to doing it since GSP. So I think he's 100% the best generational talent we've had in a long time. Um, but still not as good as GSP for me. But, you know, maybe that can happen because what he showed us last night was absolutely unbelievable. 
Yeah, I think obviously having a win over one of those guys. So, you know, a lot of people were putting Woodley possibly at number three, and there was an argument, had he done more than Matt Hughes? Matt Hughes obviously had more title defenses, and it's kind of weird comparing eras, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you have to grade it for the time that it was happening. Um, Is, you know... As much as I love Dan Hardy and as great as I think he is, does he necessarily rank alongside Gilbert Burns in terms of a title offense? So that was one of GSP's. But at the time, you know, he was on a he was on a tear. He didn't necessarily know what he was doing on the grounds. He had heart like hell to you know to kind of make it through some of those uh, crazy submission attempts and not tap. But um, and the same would go for Matt Hughes's era versus you know even GSP's. Uh, for me, I don't think that there's really a comparison to be made just yet. Not for the top echelon. I think you could say he Agreed. he's he's just above Woodley now. Maybe I still have Matt Hughes ahead of him just because he had that much more time. And if we can continue seeing that dominance, I mean, if you look at Matt Hughes and the way he was looked at before BJ Penn came along and upset the entire planet by beating Matt Hughes in their first fight. That was like unheard of. People were shocked, beyond shocked. It was the smaller guy who couldn't get the title at 155 coming up, somehow beats probably one of the best legacy champions. That was actually tied. Five defenses that Matt Hughes had was what Tito Ortiz had at the time. And by the time he lost to uh, BJ Penn, Tito had actually just lost for the first time. So it's really interesting to look at it. I think it's, it's very important to look at it where they're at in their time. It's just, it's always going to, if you try to compare their skills, yeah, of course, Usman is going to win versus that prime version of Matt Hughes. But the sport was, you know, less progressed by about 15 years. There's just no way you can do that. You have to grade it on a scale. So for me, I don't think it, and I also don't think it makes sense to compare the records to say, oh, he broke the streak that GSP had um, in terms yeah. of actual UFC fights. I think it was um, 12 to 13 now is what it is. Mm-hmm. And um for me, I, I don't think that the caliber is the same. It's it's quality over quantity. In this case, nine of those were title defenses. Only three it's of those for Usman. Yeah, I don't think those compare. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think they really tried to force that on us last <laughs> night in the post fight press conference. You know, um, <laughs> I got the idea, like, you're just telling me he's better than GSP here. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, like, I, I don't want to take away from what Usman's accomplished because it's unbelievable. But that's just... That's just a huge jump so early in your championship tenure mm. to be comparing you. Like, the, is he better than GSP? I, I don't I don't think many people are, are there yet with it. But yeah. that's not the takeaway. As I said, he is the best welterweight of this generation. But, you know, you're talking about comparing him to the greatest fighter in UFC history as far as I'm concerned. So that's a big jump. Yeah, I, I think um, so. And just to be clear, you know, we're Usman fans. I think you and I are on the same page about this one. Just for anybody who's just like, oh man, they're trashing on Usman. No, not that's the exact opposite of what we're saying. What I'm we're saying is he's done something not. incredible. You have to be blown away. I agree. You have to be blown away by what he's done in his past few fights. He's just been absolutely, utterly dominant. But what we are saying is pump the brakes a little bit. Give the man some breathing room. Let him accrue some things before you start saying, oh, he's the greatest welterweight of all time. I think um, making some of those comparisons to GSP are just a little premature. He's a two-weight world champion. Um, He looked incredible in his last fight as well. GSP is a true uh, once-in-a-lifetime type kind of talent, and that's why people – I mean, he could be once-in-a-sport type kind of talent because, like you were saying – a lot of people literally have him as the greatest of all time. He's in that discussion. Is Kamar Usman in the greatest of all time discussion? 
Well, I think that answers it for you because he's not in the greatest of all time discussion. So, um, yeah, I think that's how we kind of put that in there. I think it's he could be. The potential is there to be the greatest welterweight of all time. It's just a bit early, you know. Maybe he cry, he, he has his next win go well and then maybe another one. Maybe he gets to five and then we're starting to get in that arena, I would say. Um, mm. But he looks amazing. So all the credit in the world to him. Definitely not trashing on him. So want to make that clear. All right, so let's move it on to the next topic here. So then um, – yeah, so this is one that you uh, that you brought up, and I think is a really good point. Um, Burns obviously had a very emotional response inside the cage. I mean, you could literally see him openly weeping. Um, what are your thoughts on whether he can bounce back and what 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 his next steps are? The thing for me is um, he don't every he did everything right in the first round in terms of I thought to get to Usman, you need to stop that momentum because he just. He comes at you like a freight train. Like, you need to sting him early. And he did that. That's the hard thing to do there. And he managed to do that. But then there was this section where he's on his back after he stings Usman. And he just stays there. And I'm kind of thinking mm-hmm. as I'm watching, I'm going, like, you're letting him back in the fight here. He subsequently, Usman subsequently lands a big shot um, from standing as Gilbert's on his back. And suddenly you see everything change. Gilbert's trying to get back to his feet. And from then on out, it was really Usman's fight. Yeah, he dominated the second round as we saw. His job was absolutely beautiful. But the problem is, it feels like he was nearly there, right? Like, mm. that's going to hurt him. Like, he was kind of, he snatched defeat from the jaws of victory nearly. And um, Usman goes on to absolutely destroy him in the second round. And then you see such an emotional um, response to what's happening. I don't blame the man for that at all because this is everything he's ever dreamed of. But it's a huge mountain to climb again. Mm. Um, at 34 years of age, he's going to have to go through all these guys at the top. Um, you know, he's, he's fought Woodley, he's fought Moya, but there's going to be questions now with Covington, Edwards, all these guys. How's he going to get on with them? It's a long road back, and uh, I think he's he's an exceptional talent, but how do, how do you get a rematch with Usman if Usman's going to remain at the top? It, it feels like a very difficult path for him to walk now. Um, but I think he gave us a very exciting challenge last night. It just didn't go his way. Yeah, I mean, imagine how much different this conversation would be if he somehow managed to wait a, a way to at least get a TKO out of that. You know, I, I guess they're not ruling it as a knockdown technically uh, because he, he was able to kind of catch himself before he went to the ground, Usman did. Um, but, I mean, it was about as close as you can get to an actual knockdown without actually going down imagine if that TKO actually happened. I think Burns can absolutely bounce back. I think what he simultaneously proved is he has some work to do when it comes to, you know, like I think the difference in that fight when I break it down is composure. What did we see when Usman got rocked? We saw him go right back to the game plan, stuck with it. What we saw with, you know, Burns is he started kind of chasing that knockout, started going for that. And then, like you said, you know, when it went to the ground, he was almost like, oh, this would be fun instead of getting back up because he was trying to bait him into a situation where he felt like he could win uh, and make a statement as opposed to, all right, let's go back to the game plan. This is a five-round fight. And then when he got rocked, that's really where you saw the composure kind of tip in in terms of scales. He he couldn't recover, you know, and uh, I mean, who could recover? I mean, it's Usman from your face. But when you compare the two, which is what this was, it was those two had – head to head the composure was you know way different between how they handled being rocked so i think that's a big thing for him to address down the line you know when he gets into danger how can he recover 
uh, avoid being emotional, breathing, slowing it back down and getting back on the game plan. So yeah, yes is the answer. I believe he can absolutely bounce back. And I think those would be some of the armchair suggestions on how to do it. <laughs> so uh, let's move it on to the next one. Um, all right. So here, here's a question. So this one got shot on so many different directions for this being a crappy card. They famously were looking to potentially book, you know, we have on good authority that it was going to be Chandler versus Oliveira for, you know, even though it was never official, it probably was going to be that because it was such a lightly booked card. Macy Barber versus Alexa Grasso ended up being a great fight, but it probably shouldn't have been the co-main event even still. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Was the card in actuality as bad as people thought it was? Look, it, it's, I think the people's criticism of the card was the standard of fights. Like, I don't think they were saying this is going to be a terrible, um, you know, night of action. And it wasn't. It was a great night of action. But I guess what people want to see when they're tuning in, they're paying this kind of money, is shifts in divisions, big fights, contenders emerging, mm. stuff like this. And we probably didn't get that. We got some great stories in terms of Gastelum putting on a vintage Gastelum performance against Hornish, a good challenger. We had... Uh, Macy Barber and obviously Grasso in the co-main event. It's not like going to have a tectonic shift in the division mm. that Grasso won, but it was interesting from the point of view of Barber was this built up to be this this um, huge prospect. She's coming off her first loss. Look, I think Barber did very well uh, to come out in the turret and rally the way she did. Yeah. That showed me um, a, a great insight into her psyche, you know. Um, a lot of fighters would give up in that situation after losing two rounds to Grasso. Um, so I thought the action delivered on the night um, but maybe it, it just wasn't the the kind of status fights that people want, and I think that perfectly um, perfectly validated the criticize that. To be honest, you know, mm. it was a good night of action, but you know, does that mean that this card is acceptable for every pay per view? Probably not. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think you know sometimes what can happen is you can just walk away with a card so astounding. And you start to think, all right, maybe this card wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It turned out to be that we had some uh, shining new prospects come out of it. But I didn't I didn't really walk away with much of that. You know, maybe if Macy Barber just ran through Alexa Grasso, you would have this feeling of like, oh, she's back to being on this, this title track. And maybe there's something to be said there. In reality, they both look good. Grasso looks way more technical. Um, whereas we saw the heart on display from Macy. And let's not forget she is really young. She can bounce back. Um, you know, obviously Marquez had a great finish. Um, we didn't get to see that Jim Miller versus Green fight, so that still weakened it. I think that, you know, good things happen on this card, but at the end of the day, yeah, it, if, if it didn't have the main event, I think we'd be walking away very disappointed, uh, and it probably would have been a canceled card. You know, it was literally 151, UFC 151. John Jones originally against Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson pulled out. John Jones didn't accept the replacement as Shell Sonnen, so they just canceled the whole damn thing. That's that's exactly what this card was like. And I do think that it was justified. And, um, you know, I know guys on our team, for instance, you know, Max made a video a preview show saying that he didn't think it was quite as bad. And I think, you know, hyperbably aside, yeah, maybe it's not as bad as people said, but it was still pretty bad. Um, so I think the UFC should... Uh, look at these cards a little bit more strategically going forward. You don't have to have a pay-per-view every month. I'm just going to say that. I know you're on the yeah. ESPN contract, but man, if you got to do two in one month just to make up for it, then we can do that. I don't know. Change your deal around in some way. Let's 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 focus on quality, not quantity, you know? 
Um, but yeah, let's move it on. Um, so we got the Marquez shorts. So this was an interesting thing. I didn't even notice you brought this up. What what did Marquez do that was so peculiar with his shorts? He may be called the Cuban Missile Crisis, but he is in fact Irish. <laughs> and we found this out from his team wearing the shamrock on their clothing. Um, actually, this has turned out to be pretty funny because he uh, Oscar Willis asked him about this in the post-fight press conference. And he said it was the only way you can wear green shorts now is to have this Irish emblem on your on your uh, clothing. So oh. he wanted to wear green. Um, he started representing Ireland. And I just want to thank him for that because <laughs> we now have our first UFC win of 2021. And look, it's been a hard few months. Connor didn't win against Poirier. Reese McKee was cut after two really tough uh, fights in the UFC. And Dean Barry had his debut postponed. So thank you, Julian Marquez. The Irish MMA community is with you. But also, I think it's a funny <laughs> thing to note because have Reebok just given up? They used to be so anal about these things, mm. like how everything needed to be absolutely perfect. With Venom coming in, um, have they just given up? Like, oh, yeah, we're not going to put the Mexico, uh, the, the Cuban logo on this. Um, you're just going to have to go in with the shamrock. I'm sorry. <laughs> and apparently Gilbert Burns was wearing Nigerian, um, a Nigerian emblem on his stuff as well. Maybe that was a... Uh, a way to get into Usman's head or something, but uh, feels like Reebok have dropped the ball a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, um, that <laughs> I I feel like uh, if we were to sum up Reebok, you know, I feel like that would be like the understatement <laughs> of all time. Like <laughs> I feel like you dropped the ball a little bit here when you look back on Reebok's entire tenure, and I, I think that's a nice microcosm of a reflection of what happens. Ireland is a much smaller country, for instance, than I thought it was, you know? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you reference that, th them literally annexing a, an entire part of the country and cutting it off. It's actually not a part of the country. They, they literally annexed the entire thing. But um, so I think it's really fascinating uh, looking at some of these things. Hopefully we see some better stuff when they start in April with Venom. But moving on to the last point. So this was one of the crazier ones. So we actually just looked at this in the intro. It was a minus or a plus two, uh, 2200 underdog in terms of actually getting a submission here. Somehow, Hadolfo Vieira, ADCC champion, gets submitted. Uh, yeah. Did you get a chance to watch that live? Because I know you're watching it in the UK. Did you watch it this morning? Because I know a lot of people, they, they start at 3 a.m. for them. So they'll wake up the next no, day I and watch it. Did you watch that live? Yeah, I mean, look, Rodolfo Vieira is, is a god of jiu-jitsu. Like, make no mistake about it. It's like Holly Holm in boxing or Daniel Cormier, Ben Askren in wrestling. Mm. This guy is like an icon in jiu-jitsu. And he comes out and he's storming on Fluffy Hernandez. And then next of all, in the second round, he's completely gassed and gets submitted. Like, that is the most outrageous win of all time. Like, that is the least likely outcome anyone could have predicted in that fight. Um, and look, Rodolfo was 7-0 and with seven finishes. Like, this guy was considered a huge prospect. And then Hernandez goes in and does that. Absolutely unbelievable. And I heard he was disappointed that he was such... Um, the odds were so crazy on him winning by submission. Oof. You should be embracing that, lad. You're after yeah. pulling off the impossible. That's a feather in your cap, son. So congratulations to Fluffy. Absolutely unbelievable. I wish I could remember the guy's name, but when uh, Aaron Pico debuted and there was all this fanfare about him going over to Bellator, Bellator NYC, they put him on the main card for his debut, and uh, he just gets beat by a guy, and honestly, his record hasn't been that great ever since. Let me double-check on who that 
name is. Um, let me know if I people can see in the, the guy. I just can't remember his name. Yes, I know because he took he exactly what you just said in the post fight press conference. He made that work for him, and it's like people were talking about him. Then, but then of course his record has been kind of mixed ever since then. So it was um, Zach Freeman. Yeah, Zach Freeman. Uh, so he was zero and one. Aaron Pico was. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that you. Well. A, a guillotine like yeah. it's one of these things that like it's the first submission you learn early like it, it's the one that you can literally you can you can attempt to do this without any classes in jiu-jitsu and, and kind of have a basic idea of it mm. and for him to latch that in from bottom against Rodolfo Vieira one of the greatest Oof. of all time that is outrageous I still can't believe it I've watched it about a hundred times I can't believe it happened is that a bigger deal than Krokop getting Krokopped by Gonzaga because that's like the quintessential the I think it's the same yeah I think it's more shocking. In some ways, I think it's more shocking because, you know, like people talk about this all the time, trying to roll with somebody that much uh, progressed, you know, uh, more progressed than you are. It's almost impossible. And uh, you can always, you've always got a puncher's chance. That can happen anytime, you know. Habib has a knockout on his record, you know. He's got, he's known for a great jab. He's known for a great chin. Uh, But, you know, you don't really see him knocking people out, yet he does have one on his record. Um, so anybody can get a knockout at any time, but to pull a submission on somebody that high ranks, man, is that shocking? I think, uh, in some ways it's more shocking to me and, uh, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. So moving it on. So we'll move it on to the, you know, kind of everything else category here, just kind of going through things. Maybe we missed. I think the big thing is maybe Kelvin Gastelum has made his stake. Like, Ian Heinish, he was ranked number 15. He's had some memorable wins and losses in the division as somewhat of a newcomer. Of course, he's got that crazy story of, you know, being on Rikers Island, going to prison and all this stuff. He has a really interesting backstory. Um, I felt like Kelvin should have won that fight, but it was a bigger guy that was trying to, you know, kind of muscle him around. He managed to push back on that. I think that's a really good story for him. And it shows that Kelvin is not done. I think it shows that he's willing to go up against these new prospects, these new names, these new faces, and prove that he belongs there. So I think he was ranked number nine uh, last night. Maybe yeah. number 10 is where he was. But, uh, yeah, I think I think he's affirmed that it's not over for him. Let's not forget who he did fight. You know, it was Izzy. It was Darren Till. And then what was the last one that was Jack Hermanson? I mean, we're talking some really great the names there. Man. Yeah. Hard, hard to hold that against him. What, what are your thoughts on that? Look, I, I thought he was outstanding. I, I feel like he's one of the most well-rounded fighters in that division. Um, you know, his wrestling against Heinish, the guy who's a decorated wrestler, like he out-wrestled him. Like, I mean, he completely owned the mat last night. Mm. And his boxing is, is so is so sweet. Like, I mean, he has a great one too. Great jab straight. You don't even see the straight comb behind the jab. He's a great fighter. And you could see how much it, it meant to him to get that win. Like, as you said, Jay, like this guy isn't going in with nobody. He's going in with the cream of the crop in the division. And look, he's got found out a few times against the very best in the division. Yeah. But you could see how much it meant to him to get back in the win column. And I certainly wouldn't rule him out of being back up there challenging for the title in a, in a couple of years' time because he's still very young mm. and he's still improving. Like, the guy is so well-rounded. He's outrageous. Yeah, I definitely think it's too early to start counting him out. I mean, everybody goes on their skids. And um, I, I don't know if he'll necessarily be a title challenger again. We'll have to see, um, but I think he absolutely could be, you know, so. Helps uh, that he's had that war with Adesanya, right? Like, I mean, that was an outrageous ooh. fight. It's one of the best fights that division has ever seen. And I mean, if he can get himself a few wins on the, on, the, on a row or maybe get some wins back from guys he has fought previously. Yeah. I mean, 
they wouldn't be completely against putting on a fight that was that good the first time around, right? That fight sells itself, just looking back at how much of a banger that was. I believe that was the fight of the year um, for almost every publication I can think of. I can't think of anybody who put another fight above that one for 2019, Kelvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya. And that was on the same night as Poirier versus Holloway. I mean, that was a hell of a night. Yeah, Lena, I'm jealous of you. Um, (laughs) We never get shows like that in Nashville. But anyhow, um, I I think we should move it on to the next one. So we got our before and after segment. So you guys will recognize this from our regular pre-taped versions of the show. So basically what we do is we go through and take a look at what was said, um, particularly from Kamar Usman, Burns, and uh, Dana White in this case. Normally we would go to some other comments, but, you know, keep it brief, keep it simple. So, um, yeah, let's jump to this first one from Usman. Um, yeah, interesting stuff here. It was a little tough. This one was tough for me. This one was very tough for me because um, Gilbert is somebody that I, I, I we kind of grew in the sport together. And it was a, somebody that we shared a common goal. We both wanted to be the best in the world. And I said earlier, you know, he, he said, oh, I have something he wants and he's coming to get it. What's more personal than that, than, than somebody that you grew up in the sport with, that you train with daily, looking at your food, looking at your plate and saying, you know what, I want his plate. I think that's a really interesting reflection of what it means to be champion right there. You know, people always talk about the pressure. It's like he basically just laid out a scenario where every fight is now personal. Because if, if it's as simple as they're trying to go for the title that you own, they're trying to take, you know money off of your plate that's literally every fight now like you can't say that about anybody um i don't think that gilbert burns was particularly disrespectful in any way i think uh he basically just said he's going to try to win and that he's the champion what, what are your thoughts on that i think this fight really showcased um you know usman's mental majesty really because mm. as soon as he walked into that cage he turned that off he turned off any previous relationship they had he made it look to us and to himself that this was an enemy he was going in against. And you could see the mind games throughout. You could see the smile at the end of the first round, like, I've taken your best shots, mate. Oof. I've taken them. And then you can see at the end, he nearly needs to switch out of uh, the comp- competition mode. He's kneeling down. His former uh, training partner and his good friend is, is very emotional, um, mm. audibly crying on the broadcast. And you can see Usman take these moments to just write, okay, I've done what I've set out to do. I need to switch it back and be sympathetic to my challenger and my my friend, really, who's come in and put it all on the line against me. And, and I, you could see him going through these motions. It was it was an incredibly emotional fight, I thought. Mm. Uh, just to watch it, it was so intense. And um, yeah, I, I feel like that's really underlying um, Usman's superiority mentally. I, I, I thought it was amazing to watch it. Yeah, I definitely think... Uh... You know, we definitely do need to take the time to sing Usman's praises on this one, as if we haven't done that in, during the cool down. But we did talk a bit about GSP, so I definitely do want to make that clear. What he did was incredible. It was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, he has a case for being one of the absolute best in the sport today. He absolutely does have that. And oh, yeah. It's hard to imagine anybody beating him after that. Like, who beats him now? I'm not sure anybody does, you know. Um, there are fights that I want to see. Uh, I think Colby is the closest fight he's had now. So, I mean, that fight sells itself when it happens again. They're close fights, but man. Um, but that being said, here's an interesting comment that he did say 
that I was really surprised to hear about the knockdown. So here, here's what Usman said about uh, I wasn't necessarily hurt. I was just kind of a little off balance. Like the cage was slippery in there. That that was I I kept pouring water on the ground because it was very slippery in there. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, it's time to call bullshit there. So <laughs> that I you notice what I did is I said something really nice about him, and now we're we're showing a, a clip of him saying something. I mean. Who knows? You know, the fight just happened. He's going backstage and he's doing an interview. Maybe he'll watch that back, but he was rocked. There is no doubt about it. And he didn't get hit just once with that right hand. He got hit with it again um, at another point in the fight. And it didn't necessarily topple him over. But you watch that replay and there is a solid, solid connection with that right hand that Gilbert Burns landed on him. Um, I think it's pretty silly to say that the cage was a bit slippery that just no what do you think <laughs> yeah i mean the the thing is right he he did you're dead right like he clipped him a couple of times and he definitely buzzed him but it's the fact of what happened after that yeah like that's like i don't think anyone else could eat those shots from gilbert burns mm. um unbelievable composure after he did it like i mean i still feel as though gilbert left the door open for when he went down his back that time after you know, giving them that kind of damage. But it's all on Usman and unbelievable to take them shots. Like, I mean, whether he felt it or not, he still come through and won the fight. So, I mean, mm. I think that's absolutely exceptional, really, because I don't know if anyone else could stand in front of Gilbert after eating those shots and, and win the fight. Yeah. It's outrageous, really. Yeah, absolutely outrageous. Um, but yeah, he was rocked. <laughs> Just leave it at that. But um, so here's him now talking about Masvidal. Um and uh, who he thinks is next. So let's see what happens. He's been saying no. The only reason he took that fight on Fight Island is because it was a built-in excuse. But he said, oh, I only had six days notice, so that's why that went that way. Well, guess what? I'll give you a whole training camp, and this time I will stop him. I know I could stop him, but with all the circumstances that took place, I just went out there and dominated him from start to finish. So this time I will stop him if he wants to step up, but I guarantee you he doesn't want to. He's going to be quiet. Is that the one you want, though, above anything else? They can all get it. I don't care. So when I hear that, you know, he's saying they can all get it. I don't care, but he's also calling out Masvidal specifically and basically saying, I want you on a full training camp. I think that's part of, you know, like a, a, a negotiation tactic type kind of thing, but be like, you know, maybe trying to keep his options open, but I I do think he wants Masvidal. The question is, why does he want Masvidal? Um, I get that he's saying that, but is there anything between the lines here? For part of me, I mean, I just do think it's the money because it was supposedly, according to, you know, even the Mac Life's own statistics, which is coming from McGregor, you never know if that's, you know, actually accurate. There's no way for us to independently verify that. But, okay. you know... He also has no reason to also sell them as being that close to the cowboy fight last year that Connor had. Um, and I think it was right around 1.3. It was 1.35 supposedly for McGregor versus Cowboy. Um, I think I think he's seeing stars there. I think he's seeing dollars. Uh, I, th I think that's what he's seeing there. Because the fight wasn't close. And I don't think no. that very many people want to see that again. Well, what are your thoughts? I think, right, so Masvidal he is a bigger star. Like he's one of these few guys. That's one of the biggest stars in the sport, right? Like he brings in eyes that don't usually watch the sport because mm -hmm. of who he is. And I feel as though those kind of things niggle at someone like Usman, who is this, um, 
you know, he wants no question on his legacy. Like, you can see where his mind's going already. He wants to be remembered as one of the best fighters ever. And while I do agree that money might be the, the big thing here, I'd say it does annoy him that people still use that as an excuse about Masvidal <laughs> that he came in on short notice. What do you expect? Let's say Usman is that crazy competitive that he's like, I want to eliminate this. Does the money help? Absolutely. Like, mm. I mean, we could just put Leon. We could just say, okay, Leon, you're next in line. Let's do that fight in a few months. Um, so, I mean, he could do that, but he, you know, he's a, he's a smart man. He deserves to make some uh, money too. So, um, yeah, I'd say money is a big issue, but I'd also say he does want to uh, make sure that there is no doubt in the spectators' minds that he is a better fighter. It'd be interesting to see his mentions because I just don't think that's the case. Like, I don't think that there's just a ton of people I that are just like, you want to beat fans. him. Yeah. I don't think it is with the, you know, with MMA fans. I think it's with casual people who come in and out of the sport and that's all we heard in the lead up to that fight oh he just got on a plane look at him he's in his bathrobe on the plane <laughs> the whole story was masvidal's coming in on short notice so he's writing away we knew that he comes out at unscathed even if he loses he still comes off looking like a hero to a certain um you know, to a certain degree. You do bring up a good point because, you know, like if you look at the aftermath of that fight, people were just complaining that he didn't want to fight and they were making all the jokes about foot stomps. I think I have a hunch that those foot stomp jokes will kind of, you know, subside for a little while because now it's like, okay, maybe he had that fight, but that was also short notice for him, game plan. He, he played a safe bet. You know, let's be honest, that is what happens. But he has a TKO finish over a super dangerous guy. Didn't even go to the ground with him. He did do kind of that weird, you know, thing that he did against Maya. But I think he also didn't want to go into his guard, so he's kind of avoiding that. Uh, but he that was, was just, him at thirty percent, baby. Thirty percent, baby. Um, I don't know. I just don't think. Yeah, I think so. I think this is an essay topic that we should probably do something about. That I think would be interesting. But this happens. It's happening right now in all these different divisions of if you're the guy who's in the rankings trying to get your way up, what do you want? You want the ladder, you want the the ladder to move. You want people to go up, either try to fight the champion, fall off and try to climb back up, or you you know, you just want, you know, someone to vacate their title so they can move it forward. Um, but once you become champion, what is Dustin Poirier doing now? He's fighting Connor for a third time. He's basically the de facto champion who, you know, with Habib Boy, gone. Everyone wants to see, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, what am I talking about? What am I talking about? But I, I do think it happens, you know. Um, Woodley famously, you know, was vying for his title shot and waiting for his title shot. What did he do the day he won? He was on a chat with Fox. That was when FS1 was still doing it. Steven Thompson was far and away the number one contender. It wasn't even close who people thought was next. And he was like, I want to fight Nick Diaz or the retired GSP. That's what he said. What did Michael Bisbing do once he got the title? Who did he fight? He wanted Henderson. to fight GSP. And, and he, well, he fought Henderson before that, so that's an even better point. I think what you start to see is it's kind of like there's a there's a shift in mentality, and it, it's understandable, but it's also annoying at the same time. For us as fans, we just want to see them fight the best guys because that's more fun for us because then we get to see who's the best on the planet. For them, though, they're just like, oh, my grandkids are going to be set forever if I take these big fights. You know, like, that's what Poirier's thinking about. That's what Usman's thinking about. I mean, to an extent, Izzy's thinking about. But I also think Izzy's just crazy. He wants to take the, the best fights. And that's what I really, really like about Izzy. He'll t he'll take a, a dangerous fight any day. 
I think Izzy's literally fighting Jan Blahovic to troll John Jones, which is the most exceptional <laughs> risky troll I've ever heard in my life. Like this guy, that guy, I feel like Izzy's the next superstar of the sport, you know what I mean? Oh, but, that's um, great. I don't know why I'm sidetracking us back to the, the UFC 2 fight. Sorry. It's okay. I just took us on a crazy journey there. But I think that could be a fun essay topic, just looking at like the before and after of people just be like, move. let's move up the ladder. Let's keep it going. And then they become champion. All of a sudden... They're like, oh, I, I see what's going on here. I could go for a big money fight. I mean, even Habib, after he beat Connor, was talking about fighting Floyd. You remember that? They were talking about won. doing a boxing, boxing match. match. And he would have won. won. Yeah, him and him <laughs> him against Jake Paul next, I guess. Um and Ben Look, Askren. Did Floyd Mayweather drop Connor? No. Did Habib? Yes. Therefore <laughs> he wins the boxing. <laughs> Oh, Simple. that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's, that's actually true. Uh, he never actually got dropped. It was a standing TKO. I love that. Um, well, I'm anyhow. Sure the commenters will love it too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. That's hilarious. Well, uh, let's move it on then to uh, Gilbert Burns' statements. So one of the most classiest things you'll ever see is somebody lose uh, pretty devastating loss for him to go through, but he still shows up to the post-fight press conference. So uh, let's see what some of his thoughts were on the fight. Yeah, wasn't exactly the way I want to be. I think I, I get over, uh, overexcited. I went my guy, Cody Garber, I'm crazy. You know, as soon as I heard him, that was the second time, you know, I think I did make the, the same mistake when I fought uh, Dan Hooker. I got overexcited and then, and then to become a champion in that game, I cannot, I cannot make those mistakes, you know. Because I was loading up so much. Because if I keep moving my head like like I was doing, if I was light on my feet, he he doesn't he doesn't land on me. I was looking for a big shot, and then I was kind of waiting. I want to counter. I love that comparison. This is exactly what you were talking about. You know, he could be kicking himself for quite a while because of how well that first round went. Not necessarily taking advantage of it and kind of waiting on the ground for something to happen. Maybe challenge Usman. So what are your thoughts on that? I love the Cody Garbrandt. Uh, that was a pretty humorous comparison there. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Cody love that, all right. Like, that's that's mm. his immortality now in the sport of uh, going in and blowing your load, trying to put someone away. <laughs> but, uh, mm. Look, fair play to Gilbert Burns, man. You don't need to do that stuff. Nobody asks you to come out and speak to the media when you suffer a loss, especially a stoppage loss like that. And especially when he's, you know, got so much physical damage there in his face that's obvious. Uh, when you're looking at that video so massive respect for gilbert look he looked tremendous on his welterweight run i, I don't think this is the end of him by any stretch but i do feel like it's going to be very difficult to get back there yeah um, so you know fair play to him first and foremost not an easy thing to do at all we saw how emotionally he was in the octagon after the fight so you know my hats off to uh, gilbert burns really really um really really classy gesture yeah very classy uh and i appreciate the um the honest assessment of what happened as well. You know, I think, I think he's spot on, you know, I think um, maybe he chased a little bit too much. That's what we were talking about. The composure Usman went right back to the game plan. Gilbert uh, got excited, you know? And so I think it's a really good thing for him to point out. And it shows that he knows what to work on going forward. Uh, I really like it. I really respect it. All right. So the next clip, I forget what this one's about. So we'll just watch it. <laughs> OBS, it just it just ate you. As soon as I, I I healed up, let's say three weeks, two three weeks. Dana, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you. You already know. I... 
Yeah, so even further going along that line. So now he knows what to, to work on, but he's also just like, you know what? Best thing to do is just get right back in there. Two, three weeks. He looks pretty banged up for two to three weeks. I doubt he'll get that, but I love the fact that he's already thinking about moving on, moving forward, and rather than, you know, kind of sulking, going the Ronda Rousey, you know, hiding from TMZ in the airport type kind of thing. Let's get right into another fight. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's great. Like, I, I think, like, I can't commend the guy enough, but he's in a situation now where he's lost all his juice, unfortunately. Like, when you go into that title situation, we know how quickly people forget in this sport. It's mm. It might be the worst sport of all. Like, it's just week to week. People forget about everything you've done. It's all about what have you done for me lately. And unfortunately, he blazed a huge trail through this division right to that title fight. But right now, what, what guy in the top five, say, will want to fight Gilbert Burns to underline their status as a title contender. I don't know who. Um, mm. So he's in a tough position. Like, who is he going to fight? Um, you know, I'd love to see him fight Luke, but we probably don't want to put him in with a teammate again. But um, it, it, it's a tough situation he's going to be in. Um, so yeah, fair play to him for wanting to get back in there. But I think it's going to be um, tough for him to get a favorable matchup um, after a loss, unfortunately. One thing I do want to say, though, you know, you're saying it's a what have you done for me lately type kind of sport, but I also think that's a good thing. It's a good and bad thing. I mean, you look at that Dan mm-hmm. Hooker loss, you know, before last night, we were basically like, oh, yeah, that never happened. <laughs> you know, obviously we knew yeah. it happened and, you know, people were talking about it openly, but it was also like, oh, he's different now. You know, so it mm-hmm. it does work in your favor. I mean, you look at his 2020, nobody was talking about him for a title. The year can make a massive difference, massive at all. You know, another welterweight, yeah. obviously huge for him. Nate Diaz went from 20 and 20 fighting Michael Johnson to, you know, making half a million dollars or whatever it was in the first Connor fight and then getting like a $2 million guarantee the second time around that they fought. So big things can happen. Um, you need to be like a Connor year. or a Masvidal to be in the situation where you're like, it doesn't even matter what you've done for us lately. Here's a title shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here it is, man. I mean, I think if you get the right kind of wins, yeah, people get super hyped around you. How many people were talking about uh, Oliveira last year? You know, um, it wasn't until we really saw his hands come together in the Kevin Lee fight where you're like, oh, this guy's a contender, not just on the ground anymore, but he's a contender on the feet. And then we just saw what he did to uh, Tony Ferguson. So I do think it's a double-edged sword. In some ways, it's really bad because if you're on a loss and you're the one suffering at the next day, like Gilbert Burns no doubt is now, it feels terrible, but things can look up really, really quickly with the right kind of win. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty optimistic about it. But we'll move it on to some Dana White quotes here now. So um, here's his thoughts on the Colby-Leon situation. Um, I have a feeling something's changed here now that Masvidal is being called out by Usman. So let's see. No question. You know, we're always looking to what's next. You teased that Colby Covington-Leon Edwards fight. Um, was any progress made over the last you know day on that? No, I just said that's the fight that makes sense. I mean, no, it's not done. That was yesterday that oh, we talked about that. I know. Yeah, yeah, things, things yeah, happen quick. Yeah. It change every day. Yeah, Colby, yeah. you said it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love how definitive that was, and now he's like, well, but that was yesterday. <laughs> it's like, what? Why would that change anything? Um, it's it's an unbelievable backtrack, isn't it? Like, I mean, oh it's, my God. it's typical Dana, to be honest. Like, um, like, what does that mean? Oh, I said that yesterday. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, what, what are you talking about, man? It's 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 if it, it felt like um, a tease to me anyway, because Colby's never wanted a fight. He wouldn't even say Leon's name. Mm. And now you're going to take him on a short notice when you're apparently at the negotiation table 
for the Masvidal fight makes absolutely no sense. The only thing I see happening now is if Masvidal and Usman is made and it leaves Colby at play. Um, but I still think it's a stretch. I think it's a great fight. I think Leon would like that fight. He's been dying for a top contender, so he'd really like that fight. But it just kind of came out of nowhere for me. And all we've heard for the last few months is Masvidal v. Colby. And obviously, that's a huge fight, the, the former friendship. Um, there's a huge storyline there. But, um, yeah, funny how quickly that turned. Quite a 180, I think, mm. uh, after Friday's statement. Yeah, so I guess the idea here then, you know, just to put it in clear black and white terms, Dana's obviously in the negotiation table. Masvidal, and they clearly don't get along for full fight camps they get along real nice when it's like a last minute thing and they can pay up yeah. like he wants but if it's full you know camp ooh. so yeah I, I tend to agree i think it's um a camp negotiation type kind of thing to say oh yeah it's going to be colby and leon and now he's like oh shit it's gonna that be yesterday, versus mass it all i've got to change it it was yesterday it was yesterday <laughs> things change <laughs> i mean and to his point, things did change, and that's why he's changing his tune. I think um, – so here's the question. Is Colby versus Masvidal bigger than Masvidal versus Usman too? I think it could be, but, I mean, UFC, obviously, like, when they can put the title in the promotion and stuff like that, Usman's coming off a great performance there. Has that changed the situation? Um, you know, Dana's saying it's up to Usman. Usman certainly seems to want Masvidal. So, you know – it might have changed the situation, but that could be again the flip side. It could be another negotiation tactic that I'm just not on the level to understand. So it's it's difficult stuff, man. This is chess. It's not checkers, dude. <laughs> High class stuff. All right, so let's move on to our last one here. Dana remarking on Kamara's record and where he sits in the division. You know, for all the attributes that Usman has, his chin is probably his best one. This guy's got a chin from hell. He took some big shots tonight and just kept coming forward. Yeah, the, the kid's the real deal, man. He breaks GSP's consecutive win streak record tonight. So, you know, we kind of talked about that earlier. I think the comparisons being made on that are a little bit too much considering nine of those were title defenses for, for GSP. It's not quite the same quality over quantity type kind of thing. But it still is a good thing to point out, you know. Um, it's a very long streak, and I believe he's tied now with um, Habib in undefeated streaks in the UFC. Um, and they're both at three title defenses, you know. So if Habib came back, he'd be in a very similar situation in terms of what he's done as champion um, in terms of defenses. I think, obviously, people have Habib rated higher now. But, you know, it is a good point to bring up, but I do think they are making too much of that comparison. And uh, I'm glad that Dana did bring up the chin of Kamaru there because he's absolutely right. How many people just would have been out cold on the canvas after that one, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do feel as though, look, his chin's fantastic, but I do feel like, that is, is is a bit of a slight on this guy to say, like, his chin is his best attribute. Oh, he's a tough guy. Really? <laughs> this guy just switched stances effortlessly last night. Yeah. Used his jab in the pocket fantastically. Came back from adversity. His engine is unbelievable. When he can set a pace in a fight, it's very hard to get back into the fight. We saw that against Woodley. We saw it against Masvidal. We've seen it throughout his career. Um, the guy is incredibly dynamic. He, he doesn't get enough credit for how dynamic he is. His jab is one of the best in the sport based on what we saw last night. And we know how important that was for GSP as well. His jab was always fantastic. So I do feel like you're underselling Osman a bit uh, by saying his chin is the best Dana, but I don't think he meant it as a, as yeah, a slight yeah. on him. It was just to underline, like, how in the name of God did he just walk through Gilbert Burns' best shots and win that fight? 
Yeah, unbelievable. he took some big shots from Colby. I know Colby's not a knockout puncher, but he took some big shots there as well. I mean, and then he took some decent shots from Masvidal. You know, Masvidal never really got his game going in that fight, but he tried his best to throw some big bombs in every single separation he had. And yeah, Usman's got a chin on him for sure. I can't um, imagine Justin Gaethje's pulling punches in training either. Ooh, yeah. I mean, the Trevor Whitman thing too, you know, I think that that should be mentioned. Um, yeah. You know, he, he mentioned him by name in his post-fight interview saying that, you know, he really works with him on his jab. And a lot of people made a big deal of him going to Trevor Whitman. I mean, Justin Gaethje is a perfect example. He used to be thought of as basically a pure wrestler in the early days of his career. Trevor Whitman basically turned that guy into a striking machine and he's beating guys like Ferguson on the feet and, uh, at least contending with the guys like Poirier, who did get a win over him, but it was very competitive right until that last minute of that third round, third or fourth round. Uh, like, and that, remember, but. That, that could have been the big difference there, Jay, as well. Like Just that little extra thing that he's learned from Whitman, that's, that uh, the stance change. I thought Whitman was excellent in the corner at the end of the first round. Mm. Your job is warrior, the champion. Unbelievable thing to just say to someone to yeah. boost them just before you go back into the fight. But let's not make no mistake about it. Henry Hoof deserves an unbelievable amount of credit here. Two guys fighting each other for the goal that came up under him. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Um, Eddie Alvarez was talking about on the ESPN preview show, the, on the radio show, and, and he's dead right. Like, that that doesn't happen that that often, you know, where you literally have produced the best two guys in the division, and now they're facing off against each other. Absolutely astronomical feat for Hoof, too. He wouldn't even uh, travel to the fight because... It was too hard for him to see his two guys fighting each Oof. other. So, yes, absolutely, Whitman, fantastic. Um, but Henry Hoof deserves a, a, an unbelievable amount of credit too. Yeah, that's a really great point to bring up because, I mean, Gilbert earned that title shot while they were still in the same training camp. And uh, obviously, Usman got the belt under Henry Hoof. It was before he got to Whitman. That, I think that's a really, really strong point to make. But let's move it on now to our social media side of things. So we will start reading some of the chats off. If anybody wants to support the show and send us any super chats, things like that, but we also get to the general chat as well. But first off, we're going to start it off with a few different things here. So we did do a poll last night where we jumped into what we thought should be next. So we want to get your guys' thoughts on who Usman should be fighting next. And so three options were pretty much what it was narrowed down to. I do think if we could put more options, we probably would have put Stephen Thompson in there. I just don't think he was quite as in demand as Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. But uh, most people actually said, wait and see. You know, we had a few thousand responses there. And I think that's a pretty fair thing to say, you know. You could easily say, let's let some of these top killers fight it out and see who gets it because they've all lost to him. So that's pretty fair to say. What, what do you think about that? What do you make of that? Yeah, um, I'm going to go wild here, right? Mm. You know, what about Habib? <laughs> what if we're saying, like, Habib only wants to come back for a fight that will enhance his legacy. This is very like the situation where GSP goes missing for four years, although it's not four years, and he comes back <laughs> and he faces the guy uh, in the, the weight class above him who holds the belt. That would be outrageous. Yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about streaks that match Habib's, blah, blah, blah. That would be crazy. If, if, if you could just make, let me fancy matchmake anyone in the world right now, why not Habib? But um, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to even be a conversation people have. But um, yeah, I think it's probably going to be Masvidal. Um, but if I could pick anyone right now to have a full camp and fight 
Kamaru Usman, Habib, why not? Why not? If we're, if we're all playing <laughs> fantasy here, why not? Wow, hot take there. Um, yeah, I, I think they make a good point. I mean, there is part of me that just wants to see another fight first. It really just depends on how long his recovery is. I mean, he did get rocked, you know. That's at least a 90-day suspension, so there's three months for something to happen. But they're talking about tough being in the summer, and if it's Colby versus Masvidal, we have to wait till then. So that would leave Leon Edwards in that situation. Um, but if we just went for it right now, I think I'd probably lean, you know, for current welterweights, fantasy matchups aside, I think I would probably lean Leon Edwards just because it, he's changed the, probably he's had the most time to change, you know, Masvidal, I think it goes largely the same way, maybe slightly better because it won't be on a week's notice. Um, Colby, I, something tells me the fight will be more definitive the second time. I'll put that out there, but I think it's the best fight he's had so far, the closest fight he's had so far. Um, those rounds were extremely close all the way to that fifth round hit. And then, uh, Leon Edwards, the reason why I would go towards him is he's obviously on a longer streak. I am all about some meritocracy in the sport. And then, um, yeah, I, I just think he's done more over a, a longer period of time to earn a title shot. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Leon Edwards and there's probably some criticisms out there, but you know, cause he has a weird accent. I think, isn't that it? He doesn't have an American <laughs> accent. You can't like him. Wait, I've been there, Leon. It's all right, mate. It's all right. Yeah, we're going to have to take you off the show, man. We're going to have to take your Irish accent off the show. I don't have an accent. That's what a lot of people like to say when they live in America. What they mean is they don't have an American accent, but it's so funny how often people say that. Anyhow, let's... Shocker, you do have an accent. It is an American accent. It's it's actually an American accent. (laughs) Go figure. All right, so let's move it on to um, Malki Kawa. So, you know, we just got done talking about this perfect thing to segue into. Let's do it for the ultimate fighter. So he's wanting Masvidal versus Usman, and he says, we accept. No doubt about that. I mean, that's what Dana White was responding to in a lot of different ways, is the fact that Masvidal's like, oh, I get another title shot with a full camp, and I get a big payday again? Sure, let's do that. 100% let's do that. Um, I don't think Usman sounded too warm on the idea of uh, being a, a tough coach. You know, he said, well, look, he, as he said, he's a very calculated dude. Maybe we don't give him enough credit for how calculated he is. Maybe that's his uh, <laughs> you know, negotiation tactic. Let's not jump up and down and act excited about these things. So mm. he didn't seem too keen on it. Like, it, it seems like he wants to fight Masvidal, but the whole tough thing, I don't know if he's sold on that yet. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Steven Thompson also wanted to put his name into that hat. Um, so we mentioned him a second ago. Uh, his tweet was, well, seeing as how I'm the only guy in the top five that Usman has not fought yet, I guess I'm next. Makes sense, right? Great performance. I think that's him shooting his shot there a little bit. Uh, so you could easily make that fight and people would be like, all right, maybe it's not the number one fight we had in mind. You know, obviously I interviewed him. I have plenty of reasons to be biased towards him. I think he's a great guy. And I think he's absolutely one of the best fighters on the planet. The thing that for for Thompson, I would like to see is I would like to see him get past some of these guys that can wrestle like crazy or grapple like crazy in the division, like the Leon Edwards. That's why everybody liked that fight so much when he was calling for it last year. And then, of course, Colby. I want to see a bit of that before it's like, you know, uh, in the beginning opener, Tommy Toll referred to uh, Usman as the final boss. You know, he gave him the final boss award because you beat that guy. What else do you do in your career? Because he's clearly shown to himself to be far and ahead of the division having to beat having beaten almost everyone in that top five minus Stephen Thompson. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be on board for it if it happens, but um, 
yeah, I, f- I feel like that's more him shooting a shot. What do you think? W- w- would you be okay with a, a Stephen Thompson title shot right now? I mean, he's right. Like, he is the only guy in the top five that he hasn't beaten. And and it's an interesting style matchup in terms of, like, Wonderboy doesn't fight like anybody in the division. And when he's on song, he looks unbeatable. Um, I don't know if people would react to it too well. Um, I guess people just really like some shit talk, right? And mm. you're not going to get that from Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. It's you're the last not. thing he's going to do. That's why I love him, though. That's why I think he's great. Um, yeah, I like that, too. I think Wonderboy... I think Wonderboy's best route is probably to fight Leon and uh, beat mm. Leon and then go through, you know, the winner of that fight. Um, and look, I think that is a serious option at the moment now with the Hamza fight falling out. Um, again, I don't really feel like there's much substance to the Colby talk. Um, I personally love the Nate Diaz fight, but I, I think Thompson and Leon is a serious, serious option at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, Usman clearly has lots of options on who he could fight next, but those are two outstanding ones. The winner of Leon versus Thompson and Colby versus Masvidal. I mean, those either one of those, it's like, sign me up for the winner of those fights to fight Usman. Uh, before that, it's more of a toss-up because, you know, they could all be making their claims equally. So it's almost like a mini tournament in that regard. Leon Edwards, though, had his thoughts on this. So uh, congrats to Usman on his victory. See you soon. So, I mean, that tells you how good it is, uh, how good the performance is. Uh, you know, as champion, you already have that bullseye on your back. But, man, everybody is just gunning for that fight. They all want it so bad right now. Um, and then let's skip to another one. So keeping it on this topic before, let's do the Chandler one first. So, obviously, Chandler trained with both Usman, um, you know, under Henry Hooft at Sanford MMA in Florida. He even called into our show on Wednesday to talk about it. And he said, I had a feeling Gilbert could pull it out, but Kamara remains an unsolvable problem at this point. The champ is beyond good. And, yeah, Gilbert showed that he could pull it out. I think that's a really good point to show that, like, he had, had, uh, especially the way he came into that fight, he could have won it, you know. It just didn't go his way. And um, Usman's composure, man, just took over, and Usman looked incredible. So, um, And then moving on real quickly to the last week, we got Miley Cyrus here. So if you guys didn't she's catch, a she's a great fighter. Uh, this was just more of a comedic one. Uh, so shout out to Tom, by the way, for putting all these uh, graphics and stuff together for Love us this Tom. morning. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, so Marquez, at the end of his interview, um, he... <laughs> He said a bunch of random things, and one of the most random things that he said is he wanted Miley Cyrus to be his Valentine. By the way, happy Valentine's Day to everyone there. Um, whether it's you and your girl, you and your boyfriend, or you and your hand, hope you guys have a great Valentine's <laughs> Day. Um, and so, uh, actually, just to read that real quick, Miley says, shave an MC into your chest hair, and I'm yours. So, shave her initials in. Happy V-Day, and congrats, my love. So... That's pretty funny. I think that's a great random kind of tweet to show in there that, uh, hey, MMA isn't confined to its own bubble after all. It's pretty good. Um, But yeah, uh, so I say now let's jump into just kind of some of the random chats that we got going on here. Um, I thought there was a great one from uh, Jay Tivo. Can we please talk about how good Whitman is in the corner? Great, calm, technical advice. I did. I did, Jay Tivo. He wrote this before you said that. Um, I just wanted to right. go back to it because I, I think it's it bears repeating. A little bit of motivation and will save a fighter if he needs to. And talk about, you know, not just giving him technical advice, but giving him a bit of that composure. So that's a big part of a fighter's, you know, feeling confident is having the right people there with him. And uh, I think Whitman certainly showed that. So great comment there from uh, Jay Tivo. 
Um, it's... I just thought it was okay, JT, but just to tell you, I just thought it was only okay. <laughs> it's only halfway decent. Uh, the Dark Cloud <laughs> in C says, let Jorge fight Wonder Boy, winner gets Usman. I mean, that would be a fun rematch to see. I'd be more into that rematch than the uh, Masvidal Usman one. Jorge versus Wonder Boy 2. I'd be way more into that fight to happen right now. And Wonder Boy called out for it. I find that to be far more compelling than uh, Masvidal versus Usman. What do you think? If you can't get Masvidal to sign for Colby. He's not going to sign for that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what I want, though, you know, I would say, like, yeah, sign me up for that one. I'll watch that any day. That's a great fight. Usman was almost KO'd by Colby and again last night. What did Colby almost KO Usman? Like, he might have had him wobbled a couple of times, but KO'd? I don't even remember him necessarily being wobbled. I think he that's... He landed on him. He was... Yeah, he landed on him quite a lot. Yeah, he was very hittable in that fight, as a lot of you know people kind of pointed out. And, I mean, yeah, you definitely saw that bear out. But, um, yeah, there was definitely a difference in power. I wouldn't say almost KO'd. I, I would say that's a bit of hyperbole. But I, I do appreciate the chat nonetheless, Tiger Dragon. Uh, what else we got here? The Mexicans were the real awesome story of the night. I mean, Alexa Grasso looked incredible out there. Her boxing was just on point. Beautiful boxing tradition coming out of the uh, Mexican lineage. I mean, she looked sharp. Her her game was on point there. Um, let's see. Colby and Usman rematch as King. That's who he wants. Wonder Boy would KO Usman. I mean, that would be the thing, you know. If he could keep it on the feet, there's a big argument to be made. I mean, that would be the same for Masvidal as well, you know. If you got a real striking technician. Right now, yeah. I mean, the thing is you can't take away the ground, you know. That's the thing. Like, oh, sure, if you took away the ground, then you could say that because obviously he's much more of a stationary target, tends to plant his feet. That's the argument that a lot of people make against him on the feet. His composure outlasted Gilbert Burns' kind of passion and excitement in that moment to try to go for the knockout punches. And then when he got rocked, he wasn't able to compose himself back while Usman was just laser-focused. Um, but if he was going up against Masvidal in a, a strict you know, kickboxing fight, sure. But that's not that's not the case that we're going up against. You know, That's not how it's going to go down. And uh, same with Wonder Boy. I, I, not to say they can't win, but... Um, I think that's a bold claim to make at this point after watching last night. Prodigy says, honestly thought Usman was going to get finished in the first half of that big shot. I honestly did too. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, that was, he, that's what makes it so impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get back on that horse and just keep, keep going forward, you know, like keep plotting forward, um, and just get right back on the game plan. Act like nothing never happened, even though he got hit again, you know, he got hit hard he got hit with a big left hook in that round too i mean he just took all those shots and by the end of it he was already establishing his jab again fascinating stuff um all right and so i'll read one more here usman broke colby's jaw shut the fuck up mr west <laughs> he's mad at that 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 one from tiger dragon earlier that said colby almost ko'd him i mean you know people i mean almost you can rock in both different directions i don't i don't think those Two statements are mutually exclusive, but I don't think that Colby was close to KO. I, I think that's hyperbole. I think the two guys who are disputing each other in the comments should go and fight each other videotape <laughs> and we'll we'll feature it on the show on Wednesday. The MMA on point, uh pound for pound runner up has to fight Jay Tivo, who's our current pound for pound yeah. king. <laughs> Macy Jay Tivo's after me at the moment. That's why I, I, I was a bit salty with him there earlier. Ooh. Yeah. Um Redman I see you, Jay Tivo. 
<laughs> Coming for you. Red Man says Macy Barber striking coach is Ben Askren. Ooh, that's mean. That's mean. Uh, I thought she did uh, really well in that fight when she was getting in Grasso's face and making it a dirty fight. That jab, I don't know what was going on with that jab from 20 feet away. Uh, it, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but that's armchairing it for you. Anyhow, well, look, I th- it's it's hard to it's hard to rally in a third round when you've lost the first two, and that's a big that's a big showing of her character. Like that, mm. she's so young. She packs a big punch. And she didn't give up on herself. I'm telling you, she, we haven't heard the last of Maisie Barber. She's so young. I, I think, I imagine she can be in a title conversation in years to come. And showing that little bit of character, that, that's a big deal for the likes of Dana White and stuff like that. I was very impressed with her despite the, the... Yeah, I agree with you, actually. I think that, you know, I mean, a year ago, we were talking about her potentially being the youngest UFC champion in history. She was on that track. The hype was behind her. Fans like her. And I, I think you should walk away liking her now because she was clearly the, um, in comparison, not as experienced. I mean, we had Tatiana Suarez, you know, and Carla Spars and Carolina Kovalkiewicz. She didn't win all those fights, but that's who Alexa Grasso has fought. There's a big experience. You know, it, the, the pendulum was definitely in her favor for Alexa Grasso in terms of experience. And what did Macy Barber do? She went in there with, you know, not as developed striking, but she made it a fight. And that shows, like, what you can teach is you can teach technique. You can learn that over time, but what you can't teach is heart. And that's what she showed us last night. So by all means, I totally agree with you. She's got plenty of time to grow out there. I would say for now, maybe pull her back a little bit let her focus on um, building up her game and don't put her up against the toughest names because no more a... co-main events. No like, more co-main know, events. Yes. That was down there, lads. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that w- that was crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I think you bring up a really great point there. She's got a lot of potential and I think she absolutely showed that. And if you're paying attention, you know, to how young she is and all the other details around it, it's not as simple as, oh, well, she lost last night. It's not just any ordinary loss. I think she actually performed really well. Uh, but that being said, so we need to move it on. We're going to go on to our final analysis here. By the way, I just want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat. If you guys can, please give us a like on these things. We spent three hours. Lon got here at 7 a.m. It's now 1140. We, we've been here for five hours working on this thing. All we only slept for day. about four hours getting up for this thing. So we're doing this. Um, to interact with you guys and have some right after this thing, you know, actually be able to jump into it with you guys and interact with the chat. So I really appreciate everyone that's watching. So please upvote that for us. Let YouTube know that this is a good series and that you guys like it uh, so that they start recommending it. More people watch it on the Sunday after these these pay-per-views. So. Game 258, a thorough examine. <laughs> yeah, a little uh, accidentally had that one uh going there but so we're moving on to the final analysis here so for this what we're going to do is we're going to give ourselves a one minute time clock so if you guys are familiar with the kumite we've obviously gone on for you know about an hour here but if we were to sum up our thoughts into just one minute (laughs) what can we get out here because i think that's the compelling thing we've gone on for a while i think we've talked about just about everything we can on the card how can we condense this down what are your final thoughts let's put that timer up there PT, go. <laughs> um, my thoughts is that Usman is the greatest welterweight of his generation. He showed that last night in many ways, overcoming adversity, staying composed, completely switching up his style, 
And now he's in a situation where the whole division is open to him. And mm. um, people used to laugh at this guy. Oh, why would I fight him? Now he's the guy that's holding all the cards. And um, look, I think he's going to continue to be dominant. I, I personally don't think a fight with Masvidal goes a different way. I don't see any of the guys he's previously taken on defeating him, to be quite honest. So that puts him in a really good spot. I think without a doubt, as I said at the top, he is the greatest welterweight of his generation. Mm. But I guess the next question is, can he be the greatest welterweight of all time? Right now, George St. Pierre is still top of the pops. But, you know, he can continue to climb his way up to that. But he's still a long way off, in my opinion. The greatest of his generation, not quite the greatest of all time, but fantastic all the same. Yeah, great, great, great points there. All right, I'm ready for it whenever you're ready. So let's jump right into this. Um, so as, as far as the way I see this, you know, how did the event itself look? I think it did tur- kind of turn out, like we said, to kind of be like it looked on paper. It was good, but not great. It was more of a fight night type kind of vibe to it at the end of the day until you get to that main event. And I got to say, you know, it is it shows you how much the main event can affect your feeling the next day because I'm still buzzing off of that win. I'm still buzzing off of that level of performance. So thankfully, the main event lived up to the hype. It was the two best welterweights on the planet going after it, and it looked like it. They both got rocked. They both got hurt. And then we saw the guy who is the champion prove that he is without a doubt the best in the sport right now. And it's up to everyone else to make their claim to say otherwise. And I love that. That's what I love about the sport is you get an opportunity to see these people come out their best. Um, So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the next few months go. But Kamaru Usman, you have absolutely cemented yourself. You're no longer the foot stomp guy. That is over. I think we can put that that meme to rest. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, I think it's time that we start to wrap this thing up. Um, I really appreciate you guys, like I was saying about upvoting, if you haven't done that already. What we're going to do is we're going to go into the final analysis here from Tommy and with that call at the end of the day. So really appreciate you guys watching. Have a ton of fun doing these things. This makes our Sunday so much better to get a chance to talk with you all about it. So you guys have a great day. We're going to call it on this one, and we will see you. Uh, somebody, actually, this is a fun one from JTVO. He said 30% guy. He's still the 30% guy. <laughs> Talking about Kamaru Usman after the Emil Meek win. Oh, man, how much has that changed? I think that's a great comment to put in there, and that's a good place to wrap it up. But here's the final analysis. Uh, we'll, we'll leave you guys with this one. Appreciate you for joining us today. So, peace out, guys. Now that the boys gave 258 a thorough exam, it's time for a final analysis. On a card that many saw as essentially just one fight, all eyes were on Kamara Usman and he delivered massively. His most exciting fight behind the barn burner with Colby, slaying an absolute dragon in Gilbert Burns. Between the talk from Askren, Covington, and Masvidal, and the perception that his fights are all boring, it's been an uphill battle for Usman when it comes to respect, particularly by vocal fans who love memeing the hell out of Marty fake newsman. But whether they like him or not, this win last night is sure to silence all but the absolute biggest trolls among us about boring fights in pillow hands. While it's not quite time to ask if he's better than GSP, as Dana pointed out during the post-fight presser, given the top welterweights who could be potential future opponents and how dominant Kamaru has been as champion, he has the potential to match and surpass the legacy that St. Pierre built. Only time will tell. Tyron Woodley had four title fight victories when he ran into Usman, who just met that same mark. Things can change fast. But for now, Kamaru has more than earned the respect he deserves as an all-time great great welterweight and may just eventually silence even the loudest of detractors.